Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and tonight, Andy, we're going to strafe the worm. That's right. Today, we're talking about Minute 110, which begins with the NYPD Take a Name and ends with the end of the Sabret Hot Dog Cart. It is just us for this episode, Pete. Um, we are going to be taking this one on with the police, just like they are feeling uh, left. <laughs> no hope to get the National Guard for them. No hope getting a guest for us for this minute. You're, it, 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 it is. It, it's not hopeless. We had a scheduling issue, and we we, did, yes, yes. we hereby dedicate this issue to the guest who is having some some uh, issues. And and I guess you'll have to guess because that guest will be back at some point. But you'll have to guess. We're not going to tell you who it is. <laughs> That's it's right. Just a, it's just a guess. Which, but I I will tell guess. you this: how excited I am because uh, I had forgotten how to talk to you. Just you. Like it, there's usually banter, <laughs> and now it's good. I feel like we get to know each other again. This is going to be very exciting. <laughs> Right. All right. Well, in this minute, uh, we're we're coming into the scene as the the cops are. Hey, they're trying. You know, they're trying, Pete. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's doing fine. They're doing fine. They're doing just fine. Again, there. This is Cleveland. It it's set up to uh, look like Madison and Forty Second Street, where we had seen cops earlier. Before we start talking through this minute, Pete, though, it's uh, important for us to once again play the IMDb game. Oh, my God. That's right. Andy, you're going to make me do it alone? <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> I know you were actually um, waiting, champing at the bit to do this one on your own. I am. I wasn't. That is 100% <laughs> false. But I want to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of excited to, because... The, the I know the guys we're going to be talking about, and they are one of them. I I can pick other other properties. The other one I is a hard guess, but is a face. It he is definitely a face, and I think uh, probably every time I've seen him, he's NYPD. I don't know. Well, I guess well, let's see which one you think is which. Police sergeant is our first one. He's the one who questions uh, Captain America when he arrives in this minute. This is the police sergeant played by Robert Clohesse. Robert has been in 139 projects and uh, still is working to this day. Very, very busy. You may have seen him long ago in the days of your youth in a show like uh, St. Elsewhere or Hill Street Blues, where he was an officer for 20 episodes. There you go. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, interestingly, not uh, one of the uh, four known fours for Robert Clohesse. Do you recognize him? Could you Could you pinpoint anything that he has been in? It is. I mean, everything that I imagine him in is he's wearing a police uniform and is probably, I don't know, he's either a beat cop or a transit cop or uh, a he's probably a prison guard at some point. I'm going to go prison guard. This is how I'm playing the game tonight. I'm just going to give you the <laughs> functions of the roles he's played. <laughs> I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably it. it. Has he been one of those in anything else that he has done in his top four? Uh, the Avengers is, of course, I'm going to say the Avengers is one of his top four. 
And you were right. The Avengers okay. is uh, one of them. The next one is a chief, actually. He's Chief Werspowski in The Place Beyond the Pines. So there you go. Okay, Chief, he, good. So he's yeah. an officer still. He's also in 16 Blocks. He plays Canova. That's the Richard Donner movie where Bruce Willis has to get Yasin Bey. 16 Blocks, I guess yeah. it's in the title. Yeah. He has to, to get him yeah. to the courthouse. Uh, to the courthouse. Got to yeah. get him to the courthouse on He's time. a witness. Yeah. And I remember that movie, and I actually remember quite liking it. I, yeah, I don't remember I really a lot of details, it. but I think it was really a, a good one. Um and he was so he was Canova. We don't know what he was. I don't know if Canova is a cop or not, but Canova is who he was. OK, so that's not great. Last but not least, you win again because he was an officer. He played officer Sean Murphy in 38 episodes of Oz, the TV series. <laughs> oh, man. Oz would do it. Oz would do it. He is an officer and he's in prison. He's yes. a prison guard. Yeah, Got to be. Man. That's fantastic. So. What a great show that was, too. Wow. That was stunning. I'll bet you've never watched a single episode of it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> All right. Now, can we go to the one where I know a thing? This is Officer Saunders, played by Anver Jokai. Uh, Anver is very popular now uh, for several things. And, uh, yeah, I am curious where you're going to uh, where you're going to start with him. Well, uh, he is immediately Agent Carter. He's from Agent Carter in 2015. I don't Agent know if that's Daniel one of his... Souza in yeah. Agent Carter. You are correct. That is not one of his known great. for, so. I am blown away that that's not one of his known for. I, I believe that uh, I, I, there was a tie-in on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so that's got to count, right? He's got some episodes on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He did 18 episodes on Agent Carter. He did uh, 10 episodes on Agent Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, so yes. that's probably less likely that he is in that one. I will tell you, neither of those are in his known for. But there is a TV miniseries in it, one which I have never heard of. A TV miniseries? Yeah. I'll just tell you. Yeah, but tell me. I got nothing. Uh, the Avengers. I'm going to say The Avengers is one. The Avengers is one. Absolutely. It's just weird that... With his very prominent role in um, Agent Carter, yes, that it didn't continue. But yeah, Agent uh, the Avengers is number one. Stone was Dollhouse, Dollhouse no, on there? No, Dollhouse was not on there. But good, good memory that he was also in that one too. Um, he was in um, uh, how many episodes was he in Dollhouse? Twenty seven. Yeah, all like all of them. He was a principal. Uh, he was in a movie called Stone from 2010 in which he played young jack this is a a uh, edward norton robert de niro movie never heard of it it was a an, an arsonist and his parole officer and um i remember it coming out i didn't see it the tv miniseries is called hollywood hitmen in which there were six episodes and and he was in them i don't know anything about it but it was this miniseries that he was in i feel like i haven't even heard of it yeah. Yeah, I haven't either. Last but not least is the uh the 2008 film Eagle Eye, which I have heard of, <gasps> I know I saw and he was in that. Oh, yeah, I liked Eagle Eye a lot. I thought that was really fun. I didn't like it, but um You didn't like that? Yeah. It was with the That was uh, a shy, that was a LaBeouf. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf, Michelle Monaghan, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Uh, I think um you've got um Michael Chiklis is the one I remember him in that one. I can't remember who is the voice of the that's kind of like where the AI takes over everything. Yeah. Movie. I can't remember who the voice was. I want to say it was like Sigourney Weaver, 
or something did the voice of that um, Interesting. AI. Yeah, I don't actually remember. You're right, though. Now you've just put him. You've just put that in my head. Oh, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore was the voice. Oh, okay. Was Michelle Monaghan the girlfriend or wife? <laughs> Probably, because that's what she does. They are two strangers. Here you go. Two strangers thrown together by a mysterious phone call from a woman they have never met. And, of course, the woman is the AI. Yeah. So there are two it. strangers. That's Eagle Eye. Those are the four four known fours for Omver Jokai. And, uh, yeah, those are our two new faces that we have added to the film right here in this very minute. Well, they're great faces, and they actually make for great police officers for this bit of cheekiness in the middle of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is kind of a fun little scene, although I do question, and this is one of these things that I wonder about movies like this. You know, we have the officer come up and say the National Guard is going to take an hour, and the sergeant is like, you know, what are they doing? Why are they going to take so long? Like, don't they know what's going on? And this is, <laughs> this is a problem I have. I I can't help but think this is one of these things that you just kind of have to get over when you're watching a superhero movie, mm-hmm. very specifically superhero movies, because when you have a superhero movie and super agencies like S.H.I.E.L.D. involved, if you also have the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, uh, National Guard, all these other groups show up also, while on the one hand, it would also make our supers seem even more heroic because they... Uh, are, are stronger than all of these people put together. But at the same time, it also seems like we need some more help. We can't just do it on our own, which is what the film is trying to get you to buy into, right? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what is it that we need to, that you need to get over? Which part? And it feels like there's a complex onion of parts I, of disbelief I need to wave. I just think if you have all of the military here in New York City battling the aliens, it kind of turns into Independence Day. And the superheroes are one of many pieces that are in it. And it's less of a superhero film. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. It's Independence Day. It's like any movie where you see a lot of military on city streets, the siege, like all of those movies where... And and in this case, at some point, you have to demonstrate that that the officials that protect serve and protect the city who are already there are weaker than the superheroes that are here to protect and that somehow we have to believe that these five got people or six people these super people are going to be able to carry the the load of this enormous battle that's the superhero movie I yeah and i i think that you just have to do that so the national guard can't come they're busy with something else and you know like i it's like one of these things where there are all these things happening around the world that just keeps our military from actually doing anything and getting involved in any way right yeah it's one of those things but that gives us a moment of hopelessness for our cops here and you know the whole hashtag new york strong vibe that we is that we've talked about how it's so prominent etc etc that gives us this moment of desperation for these two where the where they're just like what the hell is happening and then we jump into we've talked about these these shifts in tone of like this is a an intense action moment a low point for these cops and then captain america arrives gives all these orders which is kind of funny to see how he just kind of throws all this at our sergeant here and then very new york is just like why the hell should we listen to you and then the Chitari arrive, and Cap just goes to town. 
and it's very funny watching this fight and uh, you know seeing everything that he does especially the uh slicing the arm off with the shield which is mm-hmm. something that it's like why doesn't this happen almost every time he uses the shield <laughs> The shield's also razor. That's amazing. The other piece that I like so much about this exchange, and this feels so much like quintessential Tignataro, is that here's a guy, Captain America, who does look kind of ridiculous in the context of uh, being an authority figure in front of these police officers, coming up in his bright blue suit. But he believes so thoroughly in his own agency and confidence as the superhero protector that he just gives orders and expects people to say, hey, get a, get a load of me. And then the police officer says, why the hell should I take orders from you? And there's something about the way he holds his hand up. It's like, have you seen yourself, man? <laughs> you look ridiculous. <laughs> and that exchange, I think that it's performed well, it's written well, like it's one of those things. It's just a fun, quippy twist that puts Captain America in charge of the block. And that's what we needed. That's what has to happen in order to demonstrate that now the the police are serving and protecting at the orders of shield and maybe we need to address that maybe we need to address like the field command hierarchy because this minute redeterm redefines it it's one of those things where i think that you know there is a hierarchy among the police officers but yeah it's just <laughs> clearly you're going to listen to the guy who can actually defeat these things. Right. And right. that's the whole gag. And it's, I mean, it's pretty funny. Okay. So you're, a, you're the police officer and it's not Captain America anymore. It's Thor. How do you respond? Well, <laughs> probably the same. Here's the thing. Like, this is like this real world situation. And we've acknowledged, okay, there are news stories. People might have seen something big and green happened. Uh, like there was this fight between these two monsters in Harlem. There was something big and green that broke out of this university. There's um, Iron Man. Everybody kind of knows who he is because he's put himself into the spotlight so much. Obviously, Black Widow, Hawkeye are very secretive, so there wouldn't be any stories about them. But the other four, it's... Uh, Thor, I mean, I don't know if there any news story about what happened in Puente Antigua would be pretty like vague as far as what was what really went down, especially because we, there weren't any news people there. It was such a small town. Nobody was really tracking it um, with cameras and stuff. Other, I mean, I'm sure some people had cell phones and stuff. But and then uh, so to that end, we're left with this situation where the vast majority of people just have not had any familiarity or, or run-ins with any of these people at this point. So when you're a cop and you see some crazy things coming out of the sky and stuff like that, and then suddenly this man in blue drops down and starts <laughs> telling you what to do. And I mean, it holds true for Thor, you know, man with a red cape, whoever it is, you're gonna be like, what the hell is going on? Who do you think you are? Like, you're going to think that it's some buffoon from some flat who's been playing too many video games and put on a Halloween costume and is now running around pretending to be uh, somebody who can fight these people. Like, there's no way you're going to actually instantly buy into the fact that this person has superpowers. Well, exactly. And I think it's interesting. I think, had to your point directly, had Iron Man landed on the top of that car, they would have taken orders, right? Because they know of Iron Man, they know Stark. He's a local hero, right? You you have to imagine there is some allegiance to the local guy. The local guy? He, he's always been, a, he's only just moving to L, to New York. 
Well, we just have him like building his job, like he's standing right in front of his tower. Like he is he and he has he has the power line that like that's all got to be in the press. Right. Don't oh, yeah, yeah. I reason to believe all that. Right. I just wouldn't call him a local guy like he's a, right, he's the, he's the he's the California guy who's moved in. I, I'm sure some a lot of New Yorkers probably are rolling their eyes at him. Yeah, anyway, uh, probably. So I, I know I'm that gonna, wasn't your point. I just your <laughs> your code word is now semantic night. That's your name, your superhero <laughs> name. So the, look, the the thing that I want to get to is: Do you think they would have taken any orders from uh, Black Widow had Black Widow landed on the car, or or uh, you know, do you think Black Widow never would have even tried to give any of those orders? Do you think they would have seen any any heroism in any of these other more human characters? I, I think the only reason that they would follow orders from anyone who put themselves into this situation who landed on a car roof I mean, and who knows where he came from. Thor, obviously, if he descended on lightning and started talking to me, <laughs> I probably would listen to him. I mean, if yeah. Captain America was just backflipping off of another exploding vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, I might go, wow, that was pretty crazy. Uh, let's see what he has to say. Black Widow, you know, I don't know. She would just be running up. And so the fact that she had two guns, I would be a little concerned about. Am I trying to arrest her? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that I would have issues with anybody until it was a person who suddenly could take out a number of Chitari yeah. and go, oh, okay, maybe I should listen to this person. Because one, yeah. it looks like they're on my side. And two, they seem to do, be doing better than me. I think it's I, I think it's a great uh, it's sort of thought exercise, especially as we look at it in the in the form of of, you know, how the hierarchy of authority changes in this scene. And that now the police are serving a paramilitary organization with no direct connection to their line of uh, authority at all. And it just happened by a demonstration of individual force. And that's fascinating to me. It's a fascinating little exercise in, in how to write heroism on Tignataro's part and his infatuation with the way power is demonstrated on screen. And this is this is that like this is like we're going to demonstrate our authority in this sequence through physical violence. And that will erase any structure that that we otherwise have. Yeah. Happens all the time. Uh, well, it will from this point forward <laughs> yeah, be happening for sure. in uh, on Earth 19999 because now they know when an alien force invades, there are these superpowered people who can come and help. Right. Well, but I'm I'm saying like this is the model of Buffy. This is the model of Dollhouse. Oh, okay, this has yeah. been the model of the way we the way Tignataro demonstrates authority with systems. Is there a scene like this that happens in Buffy where like people are like cops are fighting vampires and and suddenly Buffy comes like back flipping down and says <laughs> gives them some orders and they're like why should I take orders from you and like five vampires attack and she takes them all out and then they jump to it. Andy, you're making a joke right now, Semantic Knight. You, you've been you're called to exercise your power, but I'm not kidding you. There is an entire season starting around like season four, where a paramilitary organization led by like an antiquities professor at the local college and a bunch of seniors in college uh, become the avenging knights of the underworld. Wow! Look at that. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. It's like it's like he wrote the Avengers, but in Buffy. 
But okay, so this is an interesting point then. So when you watch this scene, do you feel like oh, uh, he's just pulling out his old scripts and just changing the characters around? No. Like, do you feel like it's too much of a retread then? I I don't I don't think it's a retread. I think it's a stamp. And I think ev- every one of the opportunities, like you look at Dollhouse, and Dollhouse is again is a, a, a subversive organization, and in this case, it's it's spies and prostitutes. Like it's a it's a subversive organization uh, that has that that takes a, its authority and usurps traditional models of and hierarchies of authority because they just do. They just do. Um, right. They are essentially paramilitary underground organizations. And all of these are, I think, watching the Avengers in, with that in mind, I think is really interesting because that it it just becomes a fingerprint, right? A fingerprint of how this individual thinks of traditional systems of leadership, organization, protection, and how f- much fun clearly they're having turning those upside down. And doing so in such a gentle way that we're right along with it. Like, I never question it while I'm watching the movie, not one minute at a time. I never question it. But really what he's saying is, okay, the police don't serve the police anymore. This police serve this paramilitary organization called S.H.I.E.L.D., which is heretofore largely hidden underground and serves no government. Sorry. Yeah. Well, at least in this moment. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't think well, the, New York, the NYPD doesn't, from this point forward, work for S.H.I.E.L.D., a.k.a. HYDRA. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. You can't, I mean, yeah. you can't, we're having a ball here talking about things. You can't trust anyone ever, anywhere ever. So who cares who they serve? They're all in the bag. Well, it's, it is a fun sequence. It does, this actually does lead us to a deleted scene. And actually, we've talked about Beth, our waitress, a number of times Oh, Beth. There is this extended storyline that kind of connects our our cop here, Officer uh, Saunders on Vera Jokai, to her. We're only getting a part of it in this minute and, and in the deleted, the, the sequence of this story between Officer Saunders and Beth. Um, we're getting the start of it. And what happens is after Cap chops off the Chitari's arm and is holding the holding the arm gun in his hand, he looks down at this cop who's looking up at him like, what the heck? And he tosses the gun down to him and says, uh, you know, you know, you might want to use this or something like that. And so that's kind of we see him then run off. Cap kind of goes off and starts fighting some other people. And this cop uh, is now he's got the Chitari gun and and the arm falls out. <laughs> also, yes, really. which is important to note, especially because it is very, very unfinished. And so it's just a very, very rubbery fake arm human arm yeah and it's really funny to watch <laughs> it's so gross so it is really floppy yeah that's what we get for uh this deleted scene the rest of it will come as uh he and beth end up kind of eventually co- crossing paths but yeah otherwise if that scene had been in here we would have gone from that to Tony, as he is now coming around 3 Park Avenue, he blasts some chaff into the Leviathan's face to get its attention, and it does get its attention, and the Leviathan turns a Yui here, and uh, it was going south on Park Avenue, and now it kind of cuts into 3 Park Avenue and uh, chases after Tony heading north. And this is, of course, uh, New York, but it crushes the hot dog cart below, which is actually in Cleveland. So that's just shows you how powerful these leviathans actually are 
do you uh, do you want to talk about the model, the CG model of that building for New Yorkers who are watching this saying, I don't know where that is? It's an interesting version of this building here. We're looking at 3 Park Avenue, but when you look at 3 Park Avenue on on Google Maps or in real life, the building, the, the structure of the building isn't quite the same. It's like they were coming up with a version of the building, but it's not quite the building is basically what we end up getting here. Um, it's, yeah, and you can tell when you look at it. But again, this goes to the fact that, again, they're shooting in Cleveland. A lot of these sorts of shots, like they're using a model, like a CG model of pretty much the city, and they're just moving things around in it. And for this particular building, in this particular moment, we'll talk about it again in a couple minutes. Yeah. It doesn't match quite right with the realities of the building. The bricks are the same color. How about the bricks that? are the same. That, that you know, is it, a similarity. It, it, ha- it does have the uh, the brick columns going down uh, throughout the building. It's just this one has many more columns. Yeah, many more columns. Uh, so that'll be interesting. So we'll we'll come back to that in a couple minutes. You just wait a couple of minutes. We'll be back. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, we get the end of the Sabret hot dog cart and uh, the end of the minute. It's a good minute. Yeah. It's a good minute. But mostly, Andy, it's a tease to some very good minutes to come. Yes, indeed. I do like, actually, right toward the end of the minute, we do see chaff deployed in the HUD. Just a nice little... Just It's nice. There's so much HUD work that they have to do that doesn't get recognized. But the fact that they just throw things like that in there, it's pretty cool. Yeah, thorough. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for today. Um, Pete and I will be back uh, with... It's going to be good, Pete. Uh, Eric Deutsch will be joining us for minutes 111 and 112 starting next week. So we'll get a chance to chat with him about some pretty big moments in the movie. Should be fun. Uh, So that's it for today. So, Pete, thanks as always. All right, Andy. Well, maybe Eric will help us uncover what the secret is. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>